Welcome back to Stories for Change. My name is Suze Morrison and I'm the member of Provincial Parliament for Toronto Centre. Stories for Change is a space to explore political issues and how they affect our communities here in downtown Toronto. Today is part two in our two-part conversation on the housing crisis here in Toronto and how that crisis has been made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you. And maybe we'll go down to Emily, because I think you have a, an interesting story about how you recently exerted your rights uh, to your landlord uh, with some success. Do you maybe want to share that story with us? Yeah, so um, I live in one of the Achilles buildings um, and Achilles, I didn't know that before I moved in, but Achilles is one of the worst. Um, they're one of these huge multinational corporations that even the UN themselves just came out um, I think it was last week or the week before, saying that Achilles is actually going against its tenants' human rights because it has, they have this tendency to buy up these buildings and start renovating, even though people are still living in them. And it, you know, I've heard stories of uh, you know construction going on above you, below you, and on either side. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones in that sense that I am in a newly renovated unit and in a newly renovated hallway, so I don't have those issues. Um, but so basically when, when COVID hit, um, I, so when COVID hit, I lost my job at the beginning, this is the second week of March, I was laid off. Um, and once I got CERB, I was basically trying to do the best that I can. So I was paying $1,100 out of the $1,500 that I am supposed to pay and just kind of saying, you know, like I'm, I'm doing my best here. Like this is so that I can still put food on the table um, and whatnot. So uh, it was pretty silent from the landlord for a while, um, which is pretty common here because we don't really have, like we don't have a super here. It's you have to call a 1-800 number and it goes to a call center and then they maybe send somebody or maybe they don't. Um, so then one day I got an email from um, a new building administrator saying basically demanding the $900 that I owed within two weeks and if not um, they would be evicting me and it just happened to be that the day that I got that email I also had to have emergency dental surgery which cost over a thousand dollars and obviously could not be avoided so I emailed them back explaining that saying look I'm doing the best I can. I'm paying you as much as I possibly can. I also had this surgery today, which was a huge cost. And so like, I just, I can't do it right now. I, I want to pay you what I owe, but at the same time, like I can't do it. And when the economy hasn't even reopened yet, like you can't be demanding rent when, or back payment when we aren't even back at work. So, instead of getting a response to that email um, almost within the hour uh, there was some shuffling in the hallway and um, an n4 was put underneath my door um, and so you can just imagine i was very very upset um, and i called the tenant board and they actually were quite helpful and in my situation basically communicated like look you have protections you're trying to do the right thing um, but this is your landlord dotting their their eyes and crossing their T's so that when things do reopen, they can take this route to try and evict you if they can do that. So um, at that point, it was a bit up in the air. Um, and then after 
a conversation with my dad. Uh, he, he was like, no. <laughs> and he instructed me, he was like, you need to get on the phone with your MPP. You need to write CBC. You need to, because there was that, that article, the CBC article that came out about the Achilles human rights issues. So I wrote that reporter um, an email and I wrote Achilles an email back saying, look, this is the situation. This is what I'm doing. This is who I'm contacting. And if you harass me again about this before the economy reopens, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And um, within the hour of that email, the almighty landlord who is impossible to get actually on the phone, phones me and says, Oh, we're so sorry. That was a mistake. We, you weren't one of the tenants that was supposed to get the N4. And it's like, I mean, we know that's not true. They realize like, okay, we've messed with the wrong person here and maybe we need to take a step back. Um, but if I wasn't somebody who was encouraged by um, outside sources and also just how I am as a person to put my foot down about what's right, um, I'm sure there's tons of tenants in this building and other Achilles buildings that are very, very scared that they're going to be evicted at the end of the month. Um, I know on my end for it said that if I didn't have everything paid by May 28th, that's when they would um, start exploring the eviction process. Well, it sounds like you've been through a lot, Emily. Um, and, you know, I would say you've touched on a number of things here that um, really highlight why we need much stronger, more progressive policy on a number of fronts. I mean, your story is exactly why we're trying to push for an 80% rent subsidy uh, for tenants during COVID-19 right now. You know, we know that the CERB benefit isn't going far enough for people. Um, and like you said, particularly in Toronto, you know, where CERB is $2,000 a month. Um, and the, you know, the average price now of a one bedroom apartment in the city um, is now over, I think, twenty-two or $2,300 a month. Um, you know, for many people, that's not even enough to pay the rent. Um, so we are still pushing for the province to step up and do the right thing. And we think that that looks like an 80% rent subsidy right to tenants so that tenants can pay their rent, landlords get their rent, uh, and no one ends up in a big long list um, of, of backed eviction orders um, at the landlord and tenant board uh, when the board reopens. Uh, but you also touched on another, uh, you know, on a few intersecting points about, um, you know, the way that the pressures in, in our healthcare system um, are amplifying this crisis even more. I mean, imagine if we lived in a world where we had universal dental care and prescription drug coverage uh, and how much easier it would be to pay your rent right now. Um, after your dental surgery, if we had a health system that included pharmacare and included dental care, you know, no one should have to make decisions that you're making between paying rent and getting emergency surgery for the pain in your teeth um, and, and making decisions about which one of those things you're going to do. Um, it, it's not fair, and I'm sorry that you're going through that. But, you know, the, it, I think your story highlights exactly why, you know, these progressive policies that we're trying to push for are so, so important. Um, maybe we'll go back to, uh, actually, maybe what I think we'll do now is um, turn things over to our three tenants um, and see if you have any questions that you'd like to ask, uh, perhaps Brendan or myself. Yeah, in terms of, so we're ta in talking about these rental subsidies for now, um, one thing that I'm interested in knowing about is 
obviously the skyrocketing price of rent in Toronto, and it's no secret that our economy is tanking as a result of COVID-19. So I assume rental prices in the future are going to be affected by that. So for example, um, like I only signed the lease here in January. So it's not like I've been here for a long time. So now going forward, if somebody, because of the economy is gonna sign on to a lease for the exact same unit that I have, and it's $200 less or $300 less, is there something that's gonna be done for those existing tenants um, so that they're not paying above what they should be paying based on what the market is actually demanding? a fair question to ask and, and one that we can we can put to the ministers um, as this crisis continues to move forward uh, but I do know that you know one of my concerns is the rent control in terms of affordability um, so it's we now have uh, you know a glaring hole in our rent control re regulations thanks to Doug Ford um, who came out last year and said that uh, anyone who's renting a unit in a building built after November 2018 um, no longer has rent control protections. So when your lease is up, if you're in a new building um, anywhere in Ontario, your landlord can come back and say, oh, I'm gonna increase your rent this year by 25% or by 35% or the, the sky is the limit. Um, and, and they're no longer um, stopped by law from doing that. Um, and we've already seen, uh, you know, it, this was enacted just over a year ago. We've already seen uh, tenants in some buildings uh, receiving rent increases of as much as 25% uh, in some buildings, which is absolutely outrageous. And worse, we're, we're still seeing this practice going on during COVID-19. So I've had tenants reach my reach out to my office who are living in brand new buildings. Um, you know, many of them that I've spoken to are, you know, seniors uh, living in a brand new retirement residence uh, in one of our neighborhoods uh, and they're getting rent increases of uh, you know three and four percent which is double the the annual guideline amount right now um, and and during a, a crisis uh, when many of these seniors are on fixed incomes um, and facing increased costs for groceries and prescriptions and um, you know the as the prices go up in our communities uh, and it's absolutely wrong uh, so you know the the rent control piece is one that we're trying to push really hard hard on. Um, and there, you know, there's some other pressures um, in terms of affordability that we're looking at. Um, but yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball to see kind of how the, the market prices um, will look in the coming months. But I think we'll have to wait and see. Can I just say that there's no like legal mechanism by which you can go back and like revisit the rent that you agreed upon with your landlord to have it changed because you know, the market has changed. But you know, just kind of building on what Suze is saying, you know, in terms of rent control, you know, I think that it's not just a matter of um, get, like having like real rent control in buildings that were built after 2018. The major rent control issue, in my view, is vacancy decontrol. So when you move out of a unit, the landlord can rent the unit out for whatever the market will bear, right? And in Toronto, where the market is red hot, that allow I mean, that has caused rents to just absolutely skyrocket. And you know, there are jurisdictions. I mean, in, in Montreal, uh, for example, or in, in Quebec. Um, if the landlord wants to raise the rent for a new tenant, they are limited in the amount that they can raise it and they have to justify that increase. And that's why, you know, artists can still live or like, and, and lower income people can still live in Montreal, you know, which is a, a vibrant world city, um, is because there's like actual, actual rent control and not just, you know, being left to the forces of the market. The other thing is that that also disincentivizes these landlord tactics like Achilles is so 
you know, noted for using, you know, because there's no incentive for them to kick tenants out anymore because they can't just jack the rent up by however much they want. You know, when you've got somebody who's been living there for 10 years, so, you know, 10 years and they've, they've had rent control and, and now they're paying a thousand dollars less than market value. So I think like the tenants, you know, again, like tenants need to see ourselves as, as a class and we need to be organizing politically around those kinds of demands. Um, I have a question is what's for after all this COVID, after everything reopens, is there anything on the tables of, for proposals with regards to rent control? Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a private member's bill uh, that we tabled that would restore the rent control regulations to what they were before Doug Ford got in there and monkeyed around with them. So what it would do is it would close the loophole that he just created. That means that buildings built after 2018 would no longer have rent control applied to them. So it closes that, you know, Doug Ford rent control loophole. Um, so that's one piece of legislation that's, that's ready to go. It's at the legislature. Um, if the government will support it, we can get it passed as quickly as possible. I don't think <laughs> that they're going to support us on this one, but again, uh, it's it's the right fight to have and we're going to keep fighting for it. Um, but there's certainly, you know, other pieces that we've continued to advocate for over the years. It's it's things like universal pharmacare and dental care um, that help ease financial pressures for tenants, um, you know, in other parts of their lives so that, you know, rent is more affordable. It's, um, you know, looking at stronger uh, abilities uh, for municipalities to regulate short-term rentals. Uh, you know, we know that municipalities want the ability uh, to regulate uh, groups like uh, businesses like Airbnb to help bring that stock of housing back online. Um, you know, that's a really important thing for municipalities to have, a really important tool in their toolbox. Uh, and, you know, when we look at, uh, like you like you mentioned, um, rent geared to income housing, uh, that has been a disastrous mess in the province of Ontario for decades. Uh, you know, the wait list for Toronto community housing to get a rent geared to income unit in this province uh, in most municipalities are, you know, 10 to 15 years. I grew up on the wait list for community housing. My mom went on that wait list when she became a single mom when I was nine years old, when she went back to university to make a better life for us. She wasn't placed in housing until after I had grown up and graduated university and had moved in with my now husband uh, wow. 15 years later, it took her. And then she spent another two years waiting on the internal wait list to transfer to a wheelchair accessible unit. So, you know, we have an underfunding of community and social housing uh, in the province of Ontario that goes back decades. We aren't just in a crisis in community housing because the Conservatives have been in power for a little over two years now, or I guess a little under two years. Um, you know, this is 15 years of, of neglect from previous Liberal and Conservative governments put together, um, and quite frankly, a downloading of responsibility that happened. Um, you know, social housing used to be, um, you know, invested in and managed uh, federally, and then it was downloaded to the province, and then it was downloaded uh, to the municipality. And every time that downloading happens, we don't see the the funding <laughs> uh, necessarily follow. Um, and so we, we're we're losing stock of housing. We're we're not building new units. Um, the wait lists are getting longer, and um, and it's it's mess, and it has been for a very very long time. Uh, so you know, we've always said that we stand by the importance of investing in community housing. Um, and, uh, you know, part of that includes addressing the backlog of repairs and, and uh, building new units so that we can get the wait list 
um, down. You know, no one should spend mm -hmm. a generation on a wait list for housing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that uh, we'll wrap up our conversation for today, uh, but I want to thank all of our panelists for being here today. Um, you know, it's been a great conversation. I think a hard conversation. I think we've heard some pretty difficult stories today, uh, but I also know that um, that I'm hopeful. <laughs> Uh, you know, I see uh, a lot of uh, a lot of passion uh, and um, uh, dedication and advocacy from the tenants in our communities. Um, that's really great to see. So again, I want to thank you all uh, for joining us today, and I hope that folks uh, take something away from this conversation, uh, whether it's uh, more knowledge about what your tenant rights are, or if you're feeling more empowered to actually uh, stand up and exert your rights. Um, regardless, I hope that uh, someone takes away something. Uh, that everyone takes away something from this conversation today. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. And if you'd like to stay updated for future episodes, please subscribe. <laughs>